Welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm with Helen Evans and David May. Guys, how are you? All good. All good. Good, Sam. How are you? Very good, thank you. Uh, we've got a really special podcast today. People have said from the very beginning, get someone from the women's team. We have done that and it's going to be brilliant. But before any of that, this is a very nervy week in the Evans household, right? Mm, it is indeed. Big game coming up. Yeah, so we're recording this uh, before Manchester United play Leicester on the final day of the Premier League season. I think um, I should just say nothing. <laughs> there's a lot going on, I imagine, Helen. Do you know what? It feels like it's going to be like a 90-minute penalty shootout. <laughs> Nervy. I don't think I can watch. No? I don't know. Maybe I should watch Chelsea Wills, but mm. I don't know. I just think it's just going to be too, too nerve-wracking. I can watch the first half, not the second. Presumably you can't go. No. I can't wait to take the kids again, though. They're always asking, can we go on the pitch with you, Daddy? Bless them. But yes, very nervy week. So yeah. hopefully when we're talking next week, United and Leicester will both be in the Champions League and Chelsea won't. Yeah. That's what that's what we all want. Nobody wouldn't like that. Yeah. Wolves win. Happy days. Doesn't matter our result. Yeah. Uh, so obviously as you're listening to this, the game's been played. You know what's happened. Um, but as we're talking, we've no idea. So uh, hopefully everybody got exactly what they wanted, except very specifically Chelsea. Yeah. Uh, and because this is a United <laughs> podcast, also a bit Leicester. Commiserations, Helen. <laughs> we are mostly focused on United. <laughs> okay, uh, so let's talk about today's guest. Amy Turner. Yes, Amy Turner. Yes. Um, she was a phenomenal centre-back for the Man United women's team. Maisie, do you get more excited when we have like a, when we have a defender on? Uh, we speak the same language, yes. So. Nice way to put it. Yeah, I know exactly what, what she's talking about. When you talk about for centre-forwards, then I get a little bit lost. <laughs> but no, it was um, something that, as you say, Sam, something we've always wanted and the guests and the, the people out there have always asked for one of the girls. So happy days. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it as well. Just gone with it then. Here's our chat with Amy Turner. Amy Turner, welcome to United Podcast. Thank you. How has uh, lockdown been? And also a belated happy birthday. Oh, yeah, thank you. Um, yeah, 29 on Saturday. So, yeah, next year will be a big party, I think. <laughs> nice. Did it feel like a proper lockdown birthday or were you able to get out of it? Uh, I went over to my mum's um, and we had a little barbecue on the garden, which was nice. Uh, the weather stayed fine, which which helped. Um, but, yeah, it was nice to see the family and, yeah, nothing too crazy. But we had a few, because um, it was 4th of July, so we had a few American flags up and... We did like nice. we did that sort of thing, so that was that was pretty nice. All the bars opening on your birthday—that's a nice present. No, but well, you went, but you had a barbecue at home, <laughs> in typical lockdown style. Oh, everyone was saying, "Oh, you're gonna go out," but I was like, "I'm not that desperate for a for a drink, no, to be honest." And I've seen all the pictures of, you know, how busy places were, and I, I was glad I glad I stayed at home. <laughs> how has lockdown been for you? Yeah, it's, it's been all right. I think some days have obviously been better than others, which I think is is probably the same for most people. Mm. I think initially when it happened, you know, we didn't expect it to go on for as long as it has done, which, you know, which I'm sure is the norm. Um, but yeah, it was weird. I think, you know, as footballers, we're sort of, you know, like creatures of habit and, you know, you're used to being told, you know, where to be and, and what to do, you know, every day, you know, to a degree that's, you know, micromanaged everything, but yeah, to not have a, a schedule or a plan or, you know, so much, <clears throat> you know, like unknown things about the league, whether we would return and, 
yeah, it was it was strange. I think that was probably the hardest part, you know, not knowing what was happening. I guess you you just get through it, don't you? And um, you yeah. know, it's crazy to think it's been so long. I, I don't, it doesn't feel like it's been three months since since we trained. Um, it feels a lot shorter than that. Well, one thing in regards to your lockdown we should talk about in case people aren't aware of it is, of course, at the very beginning, you set yourself a challenge and you raised an awful lot of money for some incredible charities. Yeah. How was your cycling? Yeah, it was tough. I think it was a lot harder than I expected. Um, you know, I've never done anything like that before. It was, I think it ended up being just short of 400 kilometres. And we aimed to do that in in under 24 hours. Um, but we did it in, in 90 minute intervals, you know, to replicate a football game. But yeah, it was it was really hard. I'd never, you know, we go on the bike sometimes to do a bit of off feet conditioning, but it's normally, you know, thirty seconds on, thirty off, or you never normally sat on it for longer than an hour. Um, so yeah, it was. I think we were on it for sixteen hours in total. That'd have been painful, wouldn't it? Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> like, I couldn't I sit feel down. Like John Wayne getting off that after an hour and an hour and a half battling. Jesus. Ooh. I love that. I love that you've heard a story about yeah, very similar Chani. But your first thought is, how would my ass feel after that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was a um... bit of pseudocreme all over, chapped <laughs> well, <Yeah>. and everything. <laughs> Too much information. <laughs> <laughs> but you did it anyway. I know. Yeah. How much? How much money did you raise? Uh, we raised just over four thousand. Um, so we had four different charities. So each charity got. Got a thousand pound. Thousand each. Yeah, which I think when we set out, we expected to. I think the target was a thousand in total. But yeah, it was it was crazy. So many people got behind us, and you know the girls at United helped me yeah. out with it. And um, yeah, it was just it was amazing. And I know that money's you know been so useful for for those charities. And what were the, what were the charities? So it was two food banks. Um, you know they're. They were really struggling. I mean, I'm sure they still are really struggling. Um, yeah. You know, a lot more people are dependent on on food banks at the moment, unfortunately, and um, they were seeing re- real shortages. And yeah, so they were saying like they don't normally get um, you know monetary donations; they normally just get food. So there was like this really good. We can we can sort out what we need to buy and um, you know what Brilliant. what things are missing. Yeah. And, and the other two was a domestic abuse charity uh, based in Sheffield, my hometown. Um, they'd seen a, a real increase in, you know, in calls and, um, you know, they were experiencing, you know, higher demands, unfortunately, with, you know, with lockdown and, and people sort of trapped in the houses and stuff. And a mental health charity, uh, which was also, you know, very much in need in these times. So, yeah, we were we were really glad we could we could help. In a, in a small way, but hopefully it made yeah. it made a big difference. Absolutely. Yeah. That's amazing. Well done. Yeah, yeah. thank you very much. Yeah. Have the legs recovered now? Yeah. They have. <laughs> well, when we did it, we, I don't know if we, we found out the season was off or I can't remember, but we had some sort of a break because um, we've been training nonstop. So our S&C coach said, right, you've got a, a two week break. So we did it in that time. And then I get a text from the S&C coach saying like, when I said you could go on a bike, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't mean. <laughs> I didn't mean that. So she was panicking a little bit. So it's just as well lockdown has continued for you. No, you would have been like a broken woman going back after that. I think we did it on the Friday, and then it was like debatable whether we'd we would go back the following week. And I was thinking, oh my god, I'm not going to be able to move if we end up going back. No. In. Uh, 
How, how, obviously you said you're in a little bit of limbo waiting to see whether the league was going to be called off or not. How did you feel when you, you knew that it would be? Yeah, disappointed. We had some games that we were looking forward to and, you know, we'd just come off the back of beating Everton. I think that was the last game and, you know, we felt like we were we were back to our ourselves a little bit more and, um, yeah, in that respect, we we were disappointed, but I think we expected it, um, you know, and I think it was it was the right decision. I don't I don't think the league could have continued and it to be in a safe environment um, for everybody. And, you know, I think people's health was probably the most important thing. And we understood the reasons why, but I think it made it just it made us more determined really to to kick on this year. OK. Right, let's go back to the very beginning then. On all of these podcasts, we go back and we talk about people's childhood and, and how they got to the point that they're at right now. Uh, and uh, we have had so many requests to have people from the women's team on. And I'm delighted that you're the first one that we've got. So tell us about you. You grew up in Sheffield. Uh, your sister obviously plays for Barnsley. So did you have like a competitive relationship when you were growing up? Not really. Um, strangely, she didn't start playing until she was a bit older. Um like she was very much the girly girl, um, you know, into uh, dolls and princess stuff like that. And yeah, I was I was unashamedly the tomboy of of the two of us. And um, she only started playing really because I was I started playing when I was really young, um, you know, as as far back as I remember really. And she was never interested at first, and then she started getting dragged along to all my games and. Um, yeah, just just picked it up herself, really. And we've always had, uh, yeah, we, we've been friends, you know, best friends since since being young. And she, we've never really competed with each other. She's sort of just, I feel like maybe looked up to me a little bit. And um, yeah, and she, yeah, we, I say we're not that competitive, but maybe we are. Just I just didn't realise. But but yeah, she's she's doing great things. She's had a. Uh, you know, up and down sort of career. She's she's probably more focused on her work and stuff now, um, but she still enjoys it and she still gets to some of my games when she can. Um, you know, I watch her. We we sort of take it in turns if we've got a weekend off. Um, but we're quite similar, weirdly. We're we're pretty much the same player, and I don't know how how <laughs> that happened. <laughs> we, we you know we both played centre half even from being younger. We were just you know like a. I don't know, just like a tough, aggressive centre half, and I don't know where that came from. But well, where was your footballing influence from? Um, where did the love come from? Yeah, I mean, my granddad played. Um, he played. I think he captained, you know, World War team in in World War Two, and he he played in the back four. Um, and then my dad played as well. Um, but I, I don't know. I just remember just loving it from from being really young. My my uncle took me to a a Blades game. Uh, when I was tiny and I just I just loved it and then since then I just yeah I just fell in love with the game and um, yeah I've never known anything different really mm -hmm. Did you used to stick your sister in goal then and pelt balls at her? Yeah I did I tried but she would she'd be like doing cartwheels and stuff in, in the goal and I'd be like Lucy <laughs> like take it seriously like that was her technique <laughs> yeah. yeah That'd be a bit like Kez yeah, guess yeah. <laughs> Swinging up the crossbar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, um, yeah, she didn't used to take it as serious as I did, and yeah, I used to. So when did you, what age did you actually start playing? I think I was seven or eight. Um, played for a boys' team um, up until I was about twelve. Right. 
Were you the only girl in that team? Yeah, I, I think I was the only girl in the league. Um, yeah, which was... it. Some parts of it I loved because the boys would be a lot, you know, a bit rougher and, you know, that was what I wanted at that time. You know, I was, I was quite... Yeah. Uh, I used to get stuck in myself, um, which I enjoyed, but there was always like, oh, my God, there's a girl on the team. You know, you turn up to a match and they'd be like, oh, look over there, there's a girl. And that... That wouldn't even be the kids. That would be the, like the parents and nice. the staff and stuff. So it was like, you know, like an anomaly back then. Um, but then my sister went through the same thing. So she started on a boys team. And so we had that sort of shared experience. But it was nice to get on a girls team. Um, you know, it was it was different. It was less, you know, less aggressive and stuff. But it was, yeah. You've been able to have bullied them then, then, wouldn't you? <laughs> Played against all the lads and then kicking ten bells of crap out of them and then go to the girls and... I know. I remember I went on... Because um, I was a, a massive United fan, Chef United fan. Um, and I went on a... You know, they do, like, soccer camps and the closest one was a Chef Wednesday camp. And I was tiny then. I think I was only about eight years old and it was, you know, like, all ages... And I was the only girl, and I turned up in a Chef United kit as well, just to make myself stand out <laughs> even more. And I was like, yeah, and like my dad would be shouting from the on the side. I was like, get stuck in against like you know like tw- like fifteen year old lads, and I just be running about trying to kick everyone. <laughs> I suppose when you first joined your first girls team, you were all coming together, but you'd probably always ha- all had the same thing in common that you played in leagues before, where you maybe were the only girls. Yeah, and I think that was the first um, age group that Wednesday set up for that girls team. So yeah, we were all coming together, having experienced, you know, yeah. I, I think some people have positive experiences playing in boys teams, but the majority are probably um, not so positive. So yeah, it was nice. Um, you know, we were all in the same boat, and it was like a yeah. It was it was not, it was weird because you suddenly then had like. 10 new best friends and um, you know from from different parts of the air because there weren't many girls teams so we'd you know people would travel from mm. you know Chesterfield and Doncaster and, and stuff like that to come and play so it was yeah it was nice and, and some of those girls I, I still speak to now um, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. Did you have any other interests when you were growing up or was it always just football? Yeah a bit of a a weird one but I used to I used to do a bit of skateboarding and and uh rollerblading when I was younger um I was I was terrible to be honest I wasn't very good um <laughs> I, was, I, I was always getting hurt and you know I'd see things on on the tv you know and Tony Hooks and stuff and I'd try and I'd try and do that on the you know in the skate parks and I think yeah it was a bit above my uh my capabilities um hey, we all, it happened to all of us it happened to all of us I broke my arm because I thought I could skate I know. I wanted to be that like skater girl, like Avril Lavigne vibes. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is exactly who I was thinking of uh, with the chains. I, I used to look, you know, I'd have like the baggy jeans and wallet on a chain and yeah. a bit of a goth look, but I was just, yeah, I wasn't very I good. I feel like it was a lifestyle at that point more than uh, more than actually being an athlete in terms of skating. That was my view of it. Yeah, exactly. And the music and like, fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we looked cool. It was fine. Yeah, we knew what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I um, I remember my mum was telling me actually at the weekend when it was my birthday. It was like reminiscing on old birthdays. And um, one year she took me to this this skate park in Sheffield called the House for my birthday. But the 
the rule was like, your sister's got to go with you. And I was like, oh, like she's never skated. She had a pair of um, like Barbie blades with the stopper on the front. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like fully kitted out in like, you know, like the, the top gear and stuff. And she had like a helmet, elbow pads on, like the, the stuff on her hands, knee pads. And I was like, you are just, like, I was proper kicking off. I was like, what are they going to think when she turns up? <laughs> like, you know, like holding on to the edges and I'm like trying to do all my stunts and that. But um, and she was like, I didn't even want to come anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> all the gear, no idea. Yeah, We was having a good laugh at, about that at the weekend. I was just, you know, like at that age as well, you're just like mortified, aren't you, by anything yeah. slightly embarrassing and that that was that was like the pinnacle but yeah <laughs> Amy when you were growing up obviously you might not have ever have had it in your aspirations to play professionally what age did you start to think you know I might have to make the move to America or what was your thinking at the time yeah I don't remember what age I was but I I just always had an idea that if I wanted to make it pro I would have to go to America and yeah. I think that was the thoughts of a lot of, you know, people my age at that time. Um, you know, there were no professionals in England playing football. Um, you know, you didn't really have access to go and watch much women's football. Um, you know, I watched a couple of England games and stuff when you know, when they when they came locally, but you know, in terms of club football, I didn't, you know, nobody really at that time thought it was possible um so ever since I remember I remember telling my family you know as soon as I'm old enough I'm going to America you know I'm gonna do the bend it like Beckham dream <laughs> and the film um and yeah it was just always I don't know it just always seemed like that was always going to happen no matter what mm. else happened I was I was always set to go really what was that like leaving Sheffield to, to America yeah it was it was strange I'd never really left um, you know, I grew up in quite, well, Sheffield itself isn't very big, but um, I lived probably quite a sheltered life and um, I'd never been to America and, yeah, I set up off to go to New York at, at 17 and, um, yeah, it was mad. It was crazy. And even trying to, like, I'd never been to London other than to get my visa, um, you know, to go to America and even London, I thought, this place is huge. <laughs> so, yeah, so turning up in America, and I didn't know anyone. I'd never met the coach coach before, and, you know, it's. I was quite a shy kid as well, so um, I think I surprised, you know, a lot of my friends and family by by just going on my own and, and just, just getting it done. But it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience. How did it all come about that, that, you, that you moved over? And Maisie, is that your beer machine? That's not... <laughs> That is actually, I'm having a gate fitted at the side of the house. So if you hear any rumbling or <laughs> like that, then. Good hey timing. Out. It's the gate. Great okay, nice. I'm glad we clarified what that is. Yeah, um, I do apologise. Yeah, so, <laughs> how did you move to America come about? What happened? Yeah, so we played, I was playing for Doncaster Bells at the time. Um, and we played in a, like a Connie Cup final type thing against Arsenal. Um, we lost terribly. Um, but it was on, I think it was on ESPN at the time. And, um, which was streamed in America. Um, and then, yeah, the coach just seen me play. He was from Barnsley, actually, which which was a bit weird. Um, yeah, and then he just asked me if I wanted to come over. Um, and I didn't I didn't even look at any other unis or any other teams. I just I just said, yeah, I'm, I didn't know anything about it. I didn't know where, it, I didn't even know where it was in America. I just... Just agreed. 
Yeah, I just said, yeah, I'll come, yeah, whatever. 17, though, that's so young. Like, lots of people talk about moving across the water or, you know, I hear a lot of people from Northern Ireland and that's such a big deal. But moving to New York, like, that is huge. It's not just an hour plane's journey home, is it? No, I don't think it actually sunk in what I was doing, to yeah. be honest. Maybe the naivety was a good thing. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, I, don't, I don't think it were until I came home that I realised you know, how big it was, you know, just, yeah, if I'd have thought about it a bit more, I probably maybe would have been a little bit more scared, but I just, yeah, I just did it, I suppose. And yeah, I'm, I'm so, so glad I did. I made, you know, met some amazing people and um, yeah, it's, it's what I needed at the time. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't very big on, on my fitness really when I was over here. Um, and that was the only chance I could get playing, you know, training every day. And we used to play uh, on a Friday and Sunday every week, um, there's a big focus on, you know, being physically fit and, um, you know, getting in the gym. And that was, you know, they were probably better at that side of it than they were technically, yeah. technically good over there, um, particularly in the women's game. So, yeah, it's definitely what I needed. And you had a scholarship, right? So what did you have? Presumably you had to study at the same time and things. Yeah. Um, so I studied exercise physiology but it was it's different uh, to uni over here so you have to do a lot of you know like distribution credits so you do classes that aren't necessarily to do with your degree which was which was weird that was the weirdest part actually because you know I'd be doing I did classes like theatre appreciation and you know, like philosophy classes and you know just having moved from Sheffield you know I wasn't really <laughs> in tune with all, all these uh, all these alternative subjects. Um, so I was, yeah, I was telling my family and they, you know, just straight over. <laughs> <laughs> so that, you studied um, there for three years though? That was the period of time you were there? Yeah, it was It was two years. Two years. Yeah, so I didn't finish my, my studies. You know, I had a few things going off back home, um, you know, family, family stuff and um, it was when the WSL was starting up, so the first year of the WSL, and my old coach from Doncaster got got back in touch, and I don't know, it just you know the two things together. I just thought, you know, I've always I wanted to get back to England eventually. Um, you know, I wanted to to play for England one day, and I don't know, I was sold. I was sold that the league was going to be like this amazing thing. You know, it was going to be pro. Everyone was was training every day. You'd get paid, and um, it just yeah, I went back, but it didn't quite work out the the way that I had planned but you know I think you know I don't I don't regret coming home at that point you know I think it happened for a reason and stuff so so yeah before we move on to Doncaster did you call it did you adapt and regularly call it soccer yeah I had to you don't have any other choice because <laughs> if you <laughs> you say football and they think you're trying to be a quarterback or <laughs> something like that <laughs> how quickly did that change when you moved back again yes yeah, I wouldn't dare say soccer at my grandma's house <laughs> 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 or tomato or something like that there we go Macy's gear uh, Amy what was the football like over there what were the crowds like what, how, how different was it yeah it was good I think so my second year we I think we went 19 games unbeaten um, which was the school record at the time um, so that year was crazy because you'd have all, you know, the other sports teams would come and support, you know, you'd support each other and stuff. Mm -hmm. 
and at that time, like, we were, like, the team to watch, you know, because we were, like, you know, you'd go five games unbeaten and then it'd be ten and, you know, the excitement would be would be building up and you'd have, like... <laughs> <laughs> Maisie, do you think you should move? Yeah, good idea. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that was... That was cool, and we actually got to to nineteen, which was uh, oh. yeah, which was great. I think they did some kind of poll the other day about which was the best team, and it was us versus another team that had won something. And uh, I posted it on my social media. And then all the United fans were voting for for my team, and we, we went ended up winning by by loads. I had like messages from the girls on the team at the time saying, "Oh, you posted because you got loads of followers, and and they'll all vote for us." So I did, and yeah. United fans uh, got behind it and we won. <laughs> Look after your own. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so you returned to Doncaster Rovers and obviously you just said it, maybe it wasn't it wasn't quite what you were sold. And then after a few appearances, you then got released. That must have been really tough. Yeah, um, it was. It was It was unexpected. Um, you know, I'd, it, it was, yeah, it was a little bit out of nowhere. And, um, you know, they said... The reasoning was because America had softened me up, they said, um, which I thought was a little bit harsh. Um, but I had to adapt my game when I went over there. It wasn't it wasn't as physical, you know, but I was, you know, th- when I when I played in America, they developed this philosophy that was about, you know, front foot defending. You know, obviously, I know they didn't develop it, but they instilled it, I suppose, you know, and everything was on the front foot and, you know, um, you know, being aggressive and you know winning it back before before the forward e- even has chance to to set themselves and I really bought into that way of style of playing and I could get away with it a lot more over there because I was playing with girls you know my own age um, you know and I, I was re- relatively strong compared to the other girls and I came back and and you know tried to do it over here with you know in a women's league you know and the players over here are smarter you know you. We play against Arsenal and Kelly Smith. You know she knows you're coming. She just she just roll you the other way, and you wouldn't even have chance. And um, so certain aspects, you know, I think, you know, I'd yeah, I didn't probably adapt to to coming back over here. And um, but I don't think I was given given that chance really. And you know, I wasn't coached back into this style of play. And it was sort of you know, you're not good enough. You you won't ever be good enough. Is is what they actually said. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, which was, uh, which was, yeah, maybe he was having a bad day that day, but... Um, have you seen that coach since? Yeah, I have. I don't have any, like, I don't know, you know, I don't have any ill feelings Grudges, towards yeah, him or anything, yeah. but I don't think he realised the impact that it had because I, I said to him, because I'd seen him after I'd made one of my um, first England appearances, and I said, oh, um, you know, I've... I've I've made an, because he was to, he was talking to me about some other player that had played for younger age groups. And I said, "Oh, that's funny. Like I've just made a senior appearance," and he was like, "Oh, have you? All right, yeah, that's good." And I just thought, <laughs> "I'm not getting anywhere, so I'm just gonna like leave that there." Yeah, it's enough yeah. just to tell him that. Yeah, yeah he probably just doesn't even yeah. know I am. So leave it, leave your mind yeah. Why would you even need to say like your yeah, net? No. Well, if you're just saying to someone, "Oh, it's, unfortunately, it's not going to work out with us." Why would you feel the need to add? You're never going to make it. Yeah, I don't know. Why just would you like, do that? I think your style of football would suit um, a lower league, and I was just like, 
But then at that time, like if someone had said that to me now, well, hopefully, in case she doesn't say that to me now, but I feel like I'm in a position now to be like, you know what, I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. You know, I believe I'm good enough, um, you know, and that, that would give me that extra motivation. But then it just, I just believed it, I suppose. I just thought, right, well, he's the manager. He knows what he's talking about. I must not be, I must not be able to, you know, must not be good enough. And, you know, maybe I just have to accept it, which was, which was silly, a silly thing to think. But, you know, I don't think I had the confidence and I suppose the mental toughness to be able to, to, you know. To get through that. Yeah. What did your grandma say? Because it seems that she, your grandma seems a bit of a bit of an hard nut, to be fair. She's very straight to the... <laughs> she, she is. That's the, that's the first on the podcast that Maisie has called someone's grandma a hard nut. <laughs> no, she would love that. She's a run Sheffield. She is. She's pop Sheffield. But she, yeah, I'd probably be a bit upset about it and she'd be like, come on, Amy, like, what are you crying about? Get on with it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I think regular listeners might notice his parallels because we spoke to Ashley Young and when he was at Watford's Academy, they told him the same thing. Oh, really? They just said, you're too small. You're never going to do it. And he did all right, didn't he? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I suppose it happens, you know, it probably happens a lot more in the men's game uh, with the amount of players, you know, wanting to make it. And, you know, they get told probably a lot more often that, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, but yeah, it, was, um, it wasn't a nice thing to hear. But then I'd like to think, you know, it's still... It's still part of my motivation and mm-hmm. definitely and you did prove him wrong whenever you became a full-time pro that was at Lincoln Ladies but they were rebranded as Notts County uh yeah so um I dropped down a few few le- I, I stopped playing a little bit when um I started playing for Sheffield FC while I was still finishing off my uni I was doing a teaching degree um but I wasn't really playing I just you know at that time I thought right I'm just going to be a teacher I'll forget about football for now and, you know, it wasn't meant to be sort of thing. And then, um, yeah, and then the Lincoln coach rang me and asked me to come to a session. And at first, you know, I said, no. Uh, I said, no, I'm not bothered. And then told my mum and she told me to get back on the phone and say, you go in sort of thing. So I went, I got the train over. How old was this? Sorry, am I? How old were you here? Uh, 22, I think. Because I, I, I remember because I, I did have a car and then, because it's my birthday, 4th of July, I sold my car, went back to America for 4th of July just to see my friends and came back and then realised I then had to get the train everywhere, which, I, oh, no. which was a spontaneous <laughs> No power to thing. get to Lincoln. Yeah. So, <laughs> so it was like a two-hour train from Sheffield. Um, and then Casey actually picked me up from, which is a, a strange story, because that's when our, our paths, I suppose, first crossed, because um, I couldn't get to the from the station and... It, uh, the manager said, "Our oh, players picking you up," and it was it was Casey, and I was so scared to be honest. She was a very scary person, <laughs> 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 and she still is a little bit, I suppose. <laughs> scary in that she was an idol, or scary? Yeah, she. I mean, then she was, you know, the England captain, and I'd seen her play, you know, even from being from being younger. She she played my position and stuff as well, and. Yeah, and she's just, I don't know, she she had a, an aura about her, I suppose, and she was really not. I mean, she was lovely. Like, she could probably tell I was a little bit nervous and stuff. Um, but, yeah, it was weird that that was, you know, to where we are now, it was mm-hmm. it was strange. <laughs> I don't know if she'd appreciate me calling her scary, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Intimidated by her brilliance, really, is what you mean. <laughs> 
So what was your time like there? Yeah, so it was good. Um, you know, I think I went on a sort of a trial thing, trial basis and, and did all right. Um, and they signed me and I played pretty much, you know, I started pretty much every game. Um, and it, yeah, it felt good to be back playing at that level. Um, I was still doing my, my teaching and stuff alongside it for a couple of years before I went full time. And then, yeah, we went we went across to Notts County we, and the manager took me with him. And then I, I got uh, my England call-up and stuff and everything seemed to happen at once. Uh, so I got a call-up, I, I went pro. I then quit my teaching job because it didn't, you know, it didn't feel right. I couldn't give 100% to teaching, which, I, you know, which wasn't, wasn't fair probably on the kids. And then I wasn't being true to myself by not giving 100% to football either. Um, and I felt like that opportunity, you know, I'd waited so long for that. I couldn't mm-hmm. afford to to not give it everything. Um, and then, yeah, and then I got injured and all the plans sort of seemed to to fall away a little bit, which was... What was that like getting your England call-up? Obviously, that's a pinnacle of everybody's career. Yeah, it was... It was, yeah, it was crazy. Was it out of the blue or was it... Was you expecting it? Was you, did you hear any rumours? Yeah, I'd never um, been involved in the younger age groups. I think... Yeah. You know, this, the theme is to go through the age groups yeah. and then make it to seniors. And it wasn't until the 23s, uh, my manager, he didn't have a way with words either, to be honest. He said, look, there's there's no other defenders. Few defenders yeah. have, have dropped out. There's literally no one else. Uh, so I've put your name forward to go to this this 23s camp in La Manga. Um, and I was like, all right, well... I mean, you could have told me I was first yeah. choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, first choice you would have believed them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was like, do you know what, I'll take it. And I went there. Yeah. Sort of probably, um, you know, people probably weren't expecting too much and I feel like I did well. And um, I played a couple of times for the 23s, captain the 23s. Did you see much difference in the in the levels, the step up, going up to international level? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There was... Um, I think my first few games, I think 23s, we played Japan, Germany, like two completely different teams, you know, yeah. especially the Jesus. Betsy. All sorts going on this morning. This- I thought my drilling were bad. Sorry. <laughs> Betsy, no, sorry. I didn't think she would do that. She's been fast as late. Let me show you. Amazing. You would think it would be like a massive rock while or something, wouldn't you? And it's yeah. like a miniature cockatoo. <laughs> she's oh, she's a nightmare. Like if anyone knocks at the door or she hears something outside, she just goes mental like that. Um, sorry. You have to keep keep that in with my drilling. <laughs> so I don't look like the only. <laughs> um, but yeah, the the step up was huge, especially to to the seniors um i think one of my first the first game i started um i came off after 60 minutes and and i was thinking oh surely i've played most of the game here like i'm i'm shattered like and they were like no it's 60 minutes and i thought oh god this is this is sort of the level now i need to yeah. i need to get up to um but yeah it was i needed to go full time to to be able to to compete at that level but yeah it was a very proud you know, proud moment um, for me, yeah. my family, and um, yeah, it's something that you know stay with me, you know, for the rest of my career, really. Definitely. You mentioned there, Amy, um, that you got an injury that was a knee injury. How bad was that, and how much did that set you back? 
Yeah, so the injury itself wasn't that bad, but I think the way the club, you know, treated it made it into something, you know, really like a career-threatening injury sort of thing. And I think maybe, you know, we the, the team Notts County at the time, we didn't have the resources that, you know, other teams had. Uh, we didn't have a full-time physio. We didn't have an understanding of, you know, of the importance of, you know, the medical side of it, which is which is obviously massive. So, yeah, so I got injured and my knee, you know, it was just a tackling training. It was nothing, nothing crazy. My knee swelled up, but they tried to, we had a small squad at the time. They needed me to play and they kept taping me up, sending me out. And, it, you know, my knee was just constantly swelling and, you know, it was it was collapsing. It was giving way. I was, you know, in, in quite a lot of pain with it. And then I stopped playing for a little bit and then England got involved and were like, you know, what's happening? So they sent me for a scan. Um, and then, yeah, they, they sent me for an operation pretty much straight away. They said, you know, a part of... I think it was part of my, it's like a chondral defect or something. So part of the bone had died inside because of the constant, you know, the constant pressure of of it. You know, the, the cartilage had worn away. So it's just bone yeah. on bone for so long. Bone, bone. Yeah. So, um, and then it turned into, you know, I think if I'd have rehabbed it, I mean, I'm saying this like hindsight's obviously a great thing, but I think if I'd have probably rehabbed it better at the time, I probably wouldn't have, it wouldn't have got to that point. But you know, I, I didn't know back then. I just trusted in 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 the medical staff and believed that it it would be all right. But yeah, it wasn't, and it ended up. How long were you eventually out for? I think I was out for about. I think it was about. It was over twelve months um, initially, and then I came back to playing, and it, you know something wasn't right, so I had a second op. So it was it was near nearly two years, I think, um, from. Mm getting injured to to actually playing again um so yeah it was it, it was something that you know if if I was looked after better I think at the start it, it wouldn't have have been um such a long time out to be honest um but then you know I am a firm believer in in things you know happening for a reason and um you know now it's it's you know touch wood I forget about it to be honest you know when you sent mm-hmm. the questions through about my injury I had to I like jot some stuff down because I couldn't actually remember, you know, what it felt like, um, you know, how it happened. <laughs> Betsy. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Let me just... Come here. Um, sorry. Don't apologise. It's okay, Betsy can join. Yeah, we haven't had enough dogs. <laughs> this is actually our first dog on the podcast. Is it? Betsy, <laughs> <laughs> you're famous for being naughty. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> yeah, so, because um, I don't think about it anymore, which is which is obviously a good thing. Um, yeah, I had to try and remember stuff that had happened. But yeah, it was, it was a hard time. Um, definitely, yeah. Well, working slightly in reverse, obviously that would have been very difficult but I guess just just before that you played in the first uh, women's FA Cup final at Wembley which must have been pretty cool yeah that was it was amazing and we had quite a good following at Knotts um, you know quite a loyal fan base and they all made the trip down uh, we played Chelsea on the day and it was yeah it was an amazing experience and yeah we we didn't get the win we I think we lost 1-0 in the end but such a great day to to be a part of yeah and the, the first one as well I think it was yeah. I think it was around thirty thousand fans there, which at the time was was massive uh, for the women's game. Um, it was weird that, that it's the first time you know I remember in the warm up. Normally you can hear everything, you know you can speak to someone at the other side of the pitch because you know it's not 
there's not that many people there and you know you're not it's not as loud and at that time I you know you couldn't hear anything and we all thought and that was probably the same for most of most of the girls and we thought like this is going to be a new you know a new thing that we're going to have to adapt to in the game that we can't actually hear much hear anything. yeah really? which was which was yeah it was weird because I mean we, we used to get a few fans but it was nothing nothing anywhere near that um but yeah, it was it, yeah, it was a great day. Would have been better if we won, obviously. But <laughs> your your time at Notts County seems like it was just full of extreme sort of highs and lows because you played in the FA Cup final. You were nominated for the PFA Women's Young Player of the Year. You had your knee injury, and then presumably, from your perspective, out of nowhere, the club was just shut down. Yeah, um, yeah, that was strange. I remember at the time I was I was in London seeing my surgeon just as a general general meeting, really. Um, and the night before, the manager sent out a message in the group saying we've got a, a last-minute meeting. And we all thought it would be about the game because we were due to play Arsenal the day after. So we thought, oh, I just want to go through some set pieces or something like that. And then <laughs> I remember coming out of the surgery and, and I had so many messages on my phone and I looked on Twitter first because, you know, people were tweeting me and stuff and... And then I, that's where I seen it, that Notts County uh, liquidisation or something. And I was thinking, like, yeah, it came as a massive shock. And um, those weeks that came after that were such a, you know, surreal time for everyone, you know, not knowing what was happening. We didn't really have much contact, you know, people, media and stuff were getting in touch to ask us questions and I think it got released to the media before it got released to the players so they knew knew a little bit before but yeah it was it was a scary time um I think I was only about a few months into my you know long-term rehab um so I initially thought you know I've got no chance you know no one's going to want to sign me um you know this you know teams had already planned for their you know planned their budgets for the season so they weren't looking on to take on new players and stuff. So yeah, I was I was surprised and and very grateful that that Liverpool came in for me pretty much straight away. To be honest, you know, I think they wanted to sign me a couple of seasons before. So yeah, that was that was luckily really for me that you know I got I got a team pretty much straight away. But I know some of the girls went a full season without without getting any you know getting a club and stuff. And I didn't have a, a mortgage or I didn't really have any outgoings then. Luckily, so um, so yeah, I could afford to just just get up and move. Really, I suppose credit to Liverpool because I suppose they took you whilst you were still injured. Yeah, um, I know. I am very grateful to them for for taking that chance on me. Really, but I don't. I think part of the issue is I don't think they understood the injuries. You know, was as severe as what it was, um, and when I signed. Um, I think we were in some kind of spring series. Um, the league had changed from a winter league to a summer league, so there was that transition, and none of the physios or you know the S and C coaches and stuff at Liverpool had ever dealt with an injury like mine before. So they, that was quite a daunting experience for me because they didn't know and they weren't expecting to have to deal with to deal with a player coming back from from something like that. Um, but look, well. I say luckily, but um, Danny Ings, he was at Liverpool at the time and he had the exact same thing as me. And not many people have had that injury, I don't think, in 
in football it's it either happens you know from impact or it happens over time and he was coming back from the exactly the same thing so that was really good and he was a lot further on than what I was and you know I'd, I'd chat to him about his experiences and you know and I suppose look at him now he's he's, yeah. he's flying away at the minute yeah yeah so that was yeah that that was um you know but when I could go to Melwood and when I could when I was allowed to to see the men's physios and use their facilities and stuff that helped but I mean that wasn't that wasn't very often really Right, sorry. Can I just let her Pulse, down the stairs? <laughs> a second, yeah, yeah, go. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, fire away. I don't know why she's <laughs> going off. <laughs> I love it. I like that dog a lot. It just seems to go from like zero to a hundred in like a flash. <laughs> All I need is the kids on the sofa now to make this <laughs> a complete podcast. I'm sorry, she's a nightmare. Like the rest of the day now, she'll probably just be asleep, you know, like not making a sound. I feel like Betsy's made her impact. Tell us about Betsy. <laughs> I'm, well, I'm taking her to the pound after this, so there will be a... <laughs> Betsy will be no more. No, I don't know. She's... <laughs> I said it when we did the Sky Sports thing. I think she just wanted, like, her time on the in the spotlight, to be honest understandable brilliant she's been in lockdown too i know she's been loving life she's been going on like 20 walks a day yeah i know <laughs> she's been getting lots of strokes and stuff because i've just been at home doing nothing but is that your drilling mosey it is yes yeah sounds like someone drilling in the background <laughs> i wasn't I know, sure whether it was betsy from a distance i think yeah, she no. thinks it's a, a wolf just, or... just need the kids oh. now to crack on that'd be it sorry i um... sorry i know I'm not sure where we were up to there. Um, so Liverpool, Danny Ings, and you were yeah. saying about you didn't necessarily always get the opportunities to go and use the facilities at Melwood. Um, yeah, so I, I think initially when when they signed me, I, I think they because K- Casey was was at Liverpool at the time, and I think she was getting ready to, you know, retire and finish. So they brought me in to sort of fill her boots. Yeah, and then Casey was a little bit fuming because it, it was taking longer than I thought, and she'd planned her. Retirement, and I was like, "No, you can't. <laughs> not just yet. I'm not. I'm not quite there yet." So yeah, and I think yeah, the the staff I think as well probably didn't expect it to to be as long as what it was, and and neither did I to be honest. Um, you know, I think things with the thing with long term injuries is it's so unpredictable, and you know they give you a time frame, but you can never really trust trust that because you don't know how your body will react to certain things and. Yeah, and, and little setbacks are going to happen along the way. And, yeah, it took me a while to, to actually get back to... To be honest, I don't, I don't think I've actually got back to myself since this last season. And I had the up in 2016, so... Yeah, so three three or four years later, I think I actually feel now, you know, back to my best, to be honest. You must have so much mental toughness to go through all that, though, like be injured for that amount of time, you know, thinking that you're okay again and then back out joining a new club. Like, that takes a lot of mental strength. Yeah, I think, at the, like, now when I look back on it, I don't know how I did it. Um, yeah. You know, I remember this season, Lauren James had, you know, she had an injury and, you know, it was precaution that she went on crutches and she'd been on it be down in about three days and she was saying oh my hands are killing and I was like I was on crutches for eight weeks for f- sake sorry, sorry Amy 
Maybe you should just mute yourself. I know. Shall I do that? So, Amy, sorry, you were on crutches for eight weeks continuously? Yeah, um, I couldn't drive for, I think it was like 10 weeks and stuff. And at the time, it, it, like when I look back, I, I don't know how I did it. But, you know, at the time you, you set yourself little goals and I was like, right, eight weeks and then I'm off crutches, then I can go on the bike. And this, you know, it didn't seem like, right, 12 months is the target. It was like, you know, little goals along the way, which mm-hmm. I think I think helped. But I was on this um, this machine hardest thing actually. I was on this it was like a, a bending machine I think it's called CPM machine or something that's a Cybex machine isn't it you strap your leg into it oh yeah do you know what I mean I know exactly <laughs> what you mean that's horrible I know and you, literally, you just like laid there with your leg strapped in and it bends and straightens your leg for you yeah it's meant to like smooth the you know the repairing blood out it makes your bone bleed so then you've got to soften it out to make new cartilage but the surgeon told me to be on it for eight hours a day for eight weeks. Wow. I know, and that was Jesus horrendous to be honest. I tried to. I went to a point where I was trying to sleep with it on, but yeah, that was that was quite difficult. That's a, that's like a full full day's work. I know. Yeah. That's an eight hour shift, eight in the morning to like four in the afternoon. Wow. I know. It was. It was. Yeah. It was crazy. I, and did you did you do it for eight hours every day for eight weeks? Sometimes, like. Mentally, I don't think I could have done it for, for... But I did do, like, at least six most days, to be honest. Sometimes I did do eight, but it was like, you know, some days you just like, I just can't. Can't sit there and do that, yeah. Well, it's such an amount of time as well, isn't it? I know. And I think, not, like, now when I look back on it, I'm like, how did I, you know, how did how I get through it? You just do it. I don't know, you just... You just know you've got to yeah. do stuff and you just, yeah. yeah, you just get on with it. Did you do that at home or at the club? A bit of both. I felt it was, you know, it was strange being around, you know, the team and mm-hmm. the manager was, I think he, he felt guilty for, you know, for, he, yeah, maybe he took a bit of, of blame to, you know, because it was him saying, you know, she needs to play, you know, the sort of yeah, no yeah, situations yeah. over was overriding the physio a little bit. And I think he felt guilty and, yeah, he, he sort of avoided me at all costs, to be honest. But, yeah, it was just strange and being around the team and, you know, no one knows quite what to say to you, do they? And it was still quite early on then. So, yeah, I'd, I'd swap my time. But I actually, so through, in, which this was like a massive saving, saving grace for me. So through England, they supplied physio at the IS in Sheffield, so the Institute of Sport in Sheffield. They gave me my own physio there. Uh, which was which was amazing. So I I had you know access to the facilities at, at EIS and you know like underwater treadmills and you know stuff like that and that was that was amazing. So I spent probably most of my time there. Um, you know and you'd see like you know these uh, you know like GB athletes, um, you know tennis players, you know weightlifters and boxers and you know coming through and they were used to you know it was like individual athletes used to play in individual sports so they'd come in and just you know get the session done on their own and and I I don't know because I was you know you saw when you when you're part of a team you're so used to being around Mm -hmm. loads of people and and have you know going to the gym with your team training with the team and that team environment was something that I really missed initially but then I went to EIS and all these athletes were just used to you know, being on their own, you know, there's no one there to sort of pick them up or, 
you know, provide them with motivation. I took a lot, a, a lot from that. You know, I'd see just people on on the walk bikes just going for it. You know, these amazing athletes, just thought, you know, just for themselves, just because they knew they had to do it. Um, so yeah, I think I took, I took quite a bit from from that experience. That's like a, just a sing, single, single sense mentality, in it of a you know unique athletes. I mean, it's, like, it's exactly what you said. The fact that you're in a team. You know, you rely on your teammates, but those guys, it's either win or lose from. Yeah. And that's, you know, to get something out of that, it's, you know, it's... it's, it's Such an isolating experience, isn't it? Yeah. The, the, I mean, there's nothing worse. I mean, I, I mean, I snapped my Achilles, I was, I was out for eight months. And there's nothing worse seeing your teammates playing and you're sat in the, in the medical room. But then you look at the elite athletes who, who are on their own and whether they're injured or they're just coming back or... You know the mentality you have to have. Mm. You know can break people, and you've done so well getting back from that, so well. Yeah, definitely. And they were like, you know, like top athletes at their sport, so they were just pushing their bodies. You know, and you, you know you do that obviously as a footballer, but it's it's different. Yeah. And it was yeah, it was really, and they you know, a lot of those those athletes then were probably you know, had full-time jobs and, you know, a lot of those sports probably weren't full-time and, and stuff then. So I was just like, you know, it brought me back down to, yeah, to just to just see a different side of it. And, yeah, that motiv- motivated me a lot as well. And then the next step in your career is the reason we're all here, <laughs> Manchester United. Yeah. Also fun because you've moved from Liverpool, <laughs> which I know yeah. uh, Casey did too and lots of other people did too because... Yeah. That, that's the club was set up but what was that like for you and when did you first hear about the opportunity or even that Manchester United was setting up a team because I guess that in itself would have been uh, positive news in the women's game yeah definitely and at the time you know I heard so before I got approached at the time I heard rumours that um, you know Man United was starting a team and it was like everyone was talking about it you know and there was so, you know like so many questions so many rumours about you know what it's going to be like and there was yeah there was a massive buzz around around it and at the time you know I knew I wanted to leave Liverpool and you know it just didn't feel right um you know my experiences there was you know it was very mixed and stuff so I knew I wanted to leave and I was actually due to get on a train to London to go and, and sign and, and speak to a team um and then Casey just randomly texted me out of nowhere and said you know do you want to meet for a coffee I've got you know, a proposition for you. Um, and I didn't know Casey was linked with, with the job at the time. It was it was really early on, so nothing had been said. Um, and me and Casey, you know, we got on before we'd, you know, so it wasn't out of the ordinary for her to, to ask to go for a coffee. So I met up with her and, yeah, I, I was just sold um, there. And then it was strange because I'd never even considered coming to United playing. I didn't know, you know, how it was going to be. And she told me, you know, the aspirations of the club and, you know, the direction of of where things were going, her plans, the people she wanted to bring in. And I was just, yeah, I was absolutely blown away. And I said to her, I remember saying to her, because it, it was a difficult decision and she was like, look, we're, we're going into the championship, you know, to, to build it up and to do it properly and, and stuff. And I knew that year needed to be massive for me from you know, everything I'd been through at Notts County, I still had, you know, ambitions of of getting back into the England squad. I, I needed a big year. And I said to her, like, I have this option, you know, it's WSL one team, 
um, you know, what, what I said to her, what would you do if, if you were me, at, you know, my age, what I've been through and, and stuff. And I trusted her opinion. Who was the other team? <laughs> no, you keep saying the other team. Yeah. What, co- what colour did they play? <laughs> well, I've said it's in London, so that might not um, be too hard yeah. to work out if I say the colour. But yeah, it was, um, <laughs> maybe I'll just keep that under wraps for now. um but yeah I just said to her like what would you do and and I trusted her opinion she's always been you know a bit of a mentor to me in my career and and she said I would do this you know I would forget anything else you have like this is going to be massive you know this is what you need uh you know get a year of playing under your belt you know she said we're not going to be a championship team you know fighting for um, you know, to win the league, we're going to be a WSL one team, and those are the standards that we're going to set in training. You know, those are the standards that I expect from you all. That you know, we're preparing for WSL one football, and we're preparing to be successful in WSL one. And yeah, it was it was that easy, really. I, I I spoke to my agent pretty much straight after, and I was like, cancel the ticket tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I'm not going. Like, this is this is what I want to do. Um, I suppose it was a bit of a leap of faith at the time, dropping down a league and and playing at that level. But it was, yeah, it was it was the right decision, and yeah, I'm I'm so glad, so glad I I came. Did you ever feel anxious, Amy, that you know you'd not had a long period of playing injury free? That was that a worry for you, or was that a worry for Casey? I don't think so. Um, you know, Casey said you know we have access to you know all the best um medical you know that in the medical side of it um you know she said the the men's team are heavily involved you know the club's invested in the women's team as a whole so it's not it's it's not going to be like liverpool in that sense um she's like the the club is is buying into this and you know anything you need we're going to make sure you get it and i think you know me going to liverpool and the stuff that happened at Liverpool, maybe in a way opened that door to United because Casey was at Liverpool at the time. She's seen how hard I was working to get back. Um, you know, I think she saw, you know, glimpses of of the old player that I was and, you know, the fight that I had. You know, I was determined. I knew I, I never thought that I wouldn't get back. You know, I never, you know, even considered, you know, going back into teaching or I just knew that I would get back and I would get back to my best. Um, you know, and I was I tried to stay quite positive throughout it all and um yeah, I got on with with Casey's a person, she knows what I'm like off the pitch and yeah, I knew I needed a good year and and we had a really good year last you know, the, in the championship. Um I got my confidence back up. You know, Casey's style of coaching was something that I'd never experienced before and you know, attention to detail and a focus on, on the back four. And, you know, that became the foundation of the team um, in the first year. You know, if, you, if we could keep clean sheets, then we'd have a, a really good chance of winning the game and stuff. And I just, yeah, evolved, I suppose. I'm so sorry. <laughs> one, uh, one thing we shouldn't ignore is that you made your debut in a 1-0 win over Liverpool. That must have been nice. Oh, yes. Yeah, that was really nice and... Yeah, that day was just was just incredible. Um, 
it was away as well, wasn't it? In the in the cup. Um, yeah, we we really set a marker out that day, and I think we scored late on, didn't we? So it was like it's even better. Yeah, yeah, it was it was yeah, it was really good. <laughs> What was it like being part of a newly set up team? Like the girls must have been so excited by that. Yeah, um, it was surreal. Um, you know, you had such a mix of of people coming together, you know, youngsters with, you know, amazing potential, you know, players that just needed a, like myself, that just needed a chance, you know, and yeah, it was it was. It was crazy and we'd come from, you know, you know, there's a lot of varying experiences within the team, but I think Casey recruited a team that um, she felt would get on off the pitch as well. So we had, you know, even from the start, Casey drilled into us the values and, and the culture she wanted to create off the pitch and we all bought into it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we, it was, it was crazy to think we went into training and it was just, yeah, it was it was unlike anything I'd been a part of before, um, and there was yeah, there was a real excitement um, around the place, and um, yeah, and a lot of, a lot of that is has stayed and has grown, and you know we've developed a lot as the team since since that first year, but the I think the foundations will always remain you know mm-hmm. the same for the team. And of course, now you're vice captain. Yeah, what's that responsibility like? Yeah, I suppose it's. As vice captain, you support the captain in in what they need, and you know I think me and Zell have a good relationship. You know we're we're quite different people. You know she's you know a very confident person. You know she she's very straight to the point in in how she you know speaks and her leadership style. And you know I think she trusts me. She you know she asks me for you know what my opinion on things and. You know, I think for her to take on that responsibility at such a young age was, you know, was a was a big ask. But it's one that she's, you know, absolutely taken in a stride. And you know, I think she's she's she made a great great captain last year, and I think she'll continue to, you know, to lead in that respect. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I don't think I've changed really on anything that I do being vice captain. I'm probably one of the older members of the team, so I have that responsibility anyway. Do you look at yourself now being a senior pro? Uh, yeah, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> at the beginning, when I first signed, everyone thought I was, like, really young. And, um, like I said, now, like, I'm I'm 28, like, I'm quite old. And they'd be like, 28? Oh, my God, you're so old. <laughs> <laughs> Made you feel great, then. Yeah, and they were, like, you know, like, working it out, like, so you were, like, 10 when I was born, you know, like, stuff like that. Oh, oh yeah. that's what you want. I know, but yeah, there. <laughs> it is strange because I, I missed the middle bit out. So I went like at Knox, yeah. I was like a younger, like one of the younger players. And then it was just suddenly like I went from that to being like one of the oldest Old. in the team. Yeah. So you probably don't feel like a senior member in that way. That's what I was going to say to you. Yeah. And because we've got such a young team as well. I, I think the first year anyway, the, the average age was like 20 or something, which was funny, but... Yeah, they think I live a very, a very boring life sometimes. I think, to be honest. Do you like that responsibility, though? Um, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. I've not really changed in anything. Like, they they come to me with uh, a lot, to be honest, with with different things, and um, yeah, it's quite nice. I I do like it. I think. Well, in my first year, um, so Lauren LJ was doing a. She was doing a functional skills maths and English. 
and she was struggling a bit with it. So I started doing lessons with her. So we'd do like after training, we'd do like, we'd go through, you know, bite size and we'd do a bit of, um, you know, GCSE maths and, and stuff like that. And everyone was like, oh my God, you're so old. You know, like, I don't know, it was just so old. <laughs> so old at 28. That's the teacher in you coming out too. What uh, what <laughs> year did you teach when you were when you were teaching? How old was that? Oh, the age group. No, no as in the, the, age the, group. Yeah, the age group. Yeah. Um, I did post sixteen. Um, okay. At the time now, I think it's post fourteen now. So, so older, older kids. Um, I did a bit of supply in in secondary schools, which is when I tell the the girls that I used to be a supplies teacher. They're always like, oh, God, I would have locked you in the cupboard. Like, I would have ruined you <laughs> if you was my teacher. And I'm like, oh, great. They're like, you're just yeah. too nice. Like, <laughs> they were like, we wouldn't have done any work for you. I'm like, right, well, good job. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Good job teaching you then. That's brilliant. Brilliant. I'm sure it's quite a, a drastic change, but if you can sum up how much uh, the women's football has changed since you were first involved... That's probably not even something that you can sum up. It's changed that much. Um, yeah, it's it's obviously grown massively. And, you know, I think the biggest thing now, so, you know, like young girls, can, you know, like me at, at eight or like young girls now can actually think, you know, I can stay in England, I can make mm-hmm. it pro. You know, now I can play for Manchester United, which I think is massive. You know, I think my generation of, um, you know, players... You just watch men's football. You know, I just used to watch Sheffield United and not, you know, like, obviously I knew I couldn't play for them. Um, but now, you know, girls can come to our games and they ha- they can see the pathway of, you know, careers in, in women's mm-hmm. women's sport and women's football. Um, and I think it'll only, it'll only continue to grow. Get bigger, yeah. I wish I was, you know, maybe five years younger, ten years younger, yeah. just, just coming <laughs> into the game now and... And having, you know, these experiences, you know, girls, in even in our team at, you know, 18, 20 years old have experienced so much already and, you know, they've got such a bright future ahead of them and it's, yeah, it's an exciting time to be a part of women's football and, um, yeah, hopefully it continues to to grow and, and develop. What advice would you give to any young girls watching the podcast? Because this goes out to, obviously, billions um, maybe not billions, yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, yeah. You know Pretty sure I mean. they're billions. But, well, maybe about 700 million United fans <laughs> around the world. What advice? Because obviously, like you said, you know, you, you got rejected early and you thought, you know, you, you, your coach at the time actually said you wasn't good enough. What advice any young girls, you know, watching this now would you give? I think, yeah, that's that self-belief is really important. You know, and I think... If you do make it as a pro, it's it's not always going to be easy. It's you know there are going to be you know setbacks and yeah. things that happen throughout your career that you're going to find tough. And I suppose that's quite a harsh reality of it. But you know everything is so worth it in the end. You know you've you get to play you know a sport that you love. You know you get paid for it. Um, you know, you get to make people happy, you know, you win a game and, you know, all these people are just so happy with yeah. you and, um, you know, being a role model and, yeah, there's so many, for all the negative things and for all the, the setbacks and hardships and stuff like that, there's there's so much positives and, 
yeah, to just, you know, you'll experience things that you would never experience yeah. in in any other way of life and stuff. And, yeah, I think it, enjoy it as well, you know. I think I was quite focused on, you know, I need to do this and this needs to happen for me to be happy. Um, you know, maybe in some parts I didn't actually enjoy it while it was happening. Um, you know, it's a great experience to look, to look back on now. But yeah, at the time, I you know maybe wish I would have enjoyed it more. That's something that I'm, yeah. I'm taking into my my later yeah. years of make, playing. Make sure you do because it goes like that. Yeah, it does. No, definitely. And I think obviously when when I were playing, you you would always look to the next game and look to the next game and look to the next, and you don't really take in what you've done, whether you've won the league or the FA Cup or whatever it is you've won. You just take it for granted and you think, right, we'll just move on. Yeah. So enjoy it because I tell you what, you're a long time out of it. I know. You are. So I enjoy it, mate. I know, exactly. One minute you're playing an FA Cup finals, the next you're running around your house because someone's making too much noise doing your gate. <laughs> <laughs> the life of David May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what's your plans, Amy, for getting back training next season? What, what's the, the plans for the league? Yeah, so we we had quite a successful um, campaign last year. I think fourth was probably realistic. Um, you know, in our first season in the Super League. But I feel like as a team, we have so much more to give. When you look at the the games, we drop points. You know, we the majority of the games where we played against, you know, the big three in, um, you know, City, Arsenal and Chelsea, we weren't that far off. And, you know, that was the disappointing thing, I think, for us, was that we competed, but we couldn't convert that performance into, you know, results, which I think is, is the next next stage yeah. now I think there's going to be a real emphasis on developing that winning mentality now you know we've we're not just a team that's newly promoted you know we don't just want to put on a fight you know a good performance and you know well that you know they did they worked hard and you know but they didn't get the result we don't want to be that team anymore we want to be the team that does get results consistently you know throughout the season and yeah I think if we do that we'll have a we'll have a real chance um but yeah, we're we're really excited to get back in and and get back to work and yeah and start start some kind of normality again, I suppose. Amy, do you ever feel that pressure when you do play that because you, now you're playing for Manchester United, everybody wants to beat Manchester United? Yeah, I mean that's been something that I've not really experienced before in yeah. my career. But you know, Casey said at the start, this is something that you're going to have to get used to. You know, mm-hmm. people want to be- beat you, and that's you know the I suppose, because we're new and stuff as well, it's, they're like, oh, it's a young team. It's, you know, they've got all this this funding. They've got, all, you know, like, people don't like that our fans sing and stuff. So it's like, do you know, just like a cauldron yeah, yeah. of things that, and reasons why pe- why everyone wants to, to get a result against us. But I think that sort of pressure we try and thrive off. You know, mm-hmm. we're the only ones that know what happens in the dressing room, in the dressing room, and you know how we train and our team spirit, I suppose. And um, yeah, we we try and use it to our advantage and and use it to go out there and and give us that extra edge, I suppose. I love being hated. <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I, I loved everyone hating us. Did you? Oh yeah, yeah, loved it. Not all those billions of people. No, every away, every away, every away ground. You know that everybody hates United. Everybody hates United, and that's that's the best thing about playing playing for United. Everybody hates you. 
And yeah. uh, it makes the, the win more excitable, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> um, Amy, we'll let you go. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I have got one last question, though. Who of your teammates would you think would make an excellent guest on the podcast? Oh, do I have to just pick one? You can name, no, you you can name as many as you like. We'll try and get them all. I think um, Millie would be quite um, a good one. Get all the Turners on. Yeah, I mean, I've got to stick to my uh, little sister, <laughs> Millie Turner. Um, she would have some interesting stuff to say. She's got some... Uh, <laughs> she's one of a kind, that girl, to be honest. She's like a little <laughs> excitable puppy. Who are the, who, who are the characters? Who are the, the loud ones, the cheeky ones, the... Uh... Give us, give us a rundown. Yeah, okay, I'll give you a... Hopefully I don't offend anyone and they start... No, no, it's okay, it can always be that. edited. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Katie Zellum is... Uh, she's unlike anyone I've, I've met before. She's, you know, just says it how it is, especially when it comes to, like, fashion. <laughs> like, if she sees someone wear, wearing something a bit dodgy, she'll just be like, what are you wearing? Like, did you think that was a good idea to wear wear something like that? And I and I said to her all the time, you can't say that. Like, that's like our relationship for you know, like Captain and Vice. Like, she yeah. she'll say someone, I'm like, Zell, no, you can't say that. And she's like, oh, but they don't mind. I'm like, mm. <laughs> you think that now, and then they go and change the trousers or something. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Yeah. So she's she's a. Uh, She's very straight to the point. Lauren James is, yeah, she's a character. She's a, you know, typical London kid, you know, like comes out with all these, I mean, maybe I'm just going to sound really old now, but, you know, like the phrases and stuff she comes out with and you're yeah. just like... Cut me slang. Don't have a clue. Yeah. No, I'm like that too. It's, yeah, you don't get any anything, not what she said. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, she's cooler. Yeah, she's she's too cool, I think, at, at times. She's so laid back. It's uh, Who's the funniest? Funniest. Ella Toons, she's funny. Her and um, Millie Turner together, they're just, you know, a double act, I think. Yeah. And they're always, like, so competitive with each other. You know, they just wind each other up all the time. Like, it's, uh, yeah, them two are funny. Uh, Martha, she's, uh, I've got to put her in that category. She's one of my my good friends from from the Lincoln days. We've always, you know, we've got on over the years and, and she's... Uh, She's funny in her in her own little way. <laughs> Who's the worst dressed? Oh, you can't ask <laughs> me that. This is because in in our time it was Gary Pallister. He was the worst dressed. He was absolutely minging. Why? Just just the gear he used to wear. He'd come in 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 Mary's wife's leather jacket and thinking it was so cool. What? Yeah, he did. It looked like I'm he's pretty like Mary's sure jacket. that Mary is probably not six foot five though. No, no, work? no, no, no. But Pally came in in this leather jacket and all he could say was, and it looked like Mary's jacket. It was minging. <laughs> but he paid, he paid a fortune for it. Oh, really? So we absolutely <laughs> ripped him to bits. So Pally was always, Pally was the worst dresser. Oh, really? I mean, if, if you asked her that question, she would probably reel off about 10 Yeah, yeah, <laughs> maybe save that question for her podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, Tooney, um, Ella Toon did an interview the other day and she actually voted me best dressed, so I was... Oh. Uh, Oh, that's nice. That's my uh, that's my claim to fame. What about worst trainer? I don't think we have. I mean, worst trainer for losing. Oh, I don't know. There's there's too many mourners and you know, like acting like we've got referees and linesmen, like you know, like screaming <laughs> at Casey, like that didn't go out. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Like everybody works hard, but that you know, we 
we're so competitive as a team that yeah. everybody hates losing and we have like a winning team picture you know if you if you win yeah. and you can just see you know the other team just like stood there like oh I hope it's <laughs> I hope it's blurry picture I hope you know I hope you look minging on that <laughs> it's so funny I, I, I try me I laugh about it with um, you know with some of the chilled members of the team where like me and Hayley Ladder just stood there like <laughs> Like there's bigger things happening than you not getting into <laughs> into winning team. We'll, we'll try and get them all on, yeah. Amy, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. Lovely to have you um, as the first member of our women's team and we hope that there is many, many more. And good luck when you go back to training. Did you say you go back on Monday? Uh, yeah, yeah, Monday, yeah. So lots of running and stuff involved. Get the legs, sure. right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you, Amy. Amy, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. You too. Cheers, mate. Well, I don't think that'll disappoint, will it? That was an excellent chat. How good was Amy Turner? She was so lovely. That podcast had everything, really, to be honest. It had Betsy the dog. Mm -hmm. Oh, yes. A great podcast story. Maisie's gate. Maisie's gate. (laughs) Maisie Maisie moving around the house. (laughs) but what a lovely girl really really lovely and she's been through a lot in her career yeah yeah loads yeah to to get to where she is yeah she's done phenomenal brilliant the injuries that she's been through and the fact that she'd been told by her previous coaches you're never going to make it like that is such a harsh statement but to come back from that is incredible Maisie how much of playing at the top is attitude and how much is ability like if you split a player on percent because I guess is there a lot of difference between like a squad player at say a, a um, an Arsenal or a City or a Chelsea or a United or like a starting player at a lower a lower level team is the difference the attitude well attitude always plays a part but you've got to be talent you, it's the talent as well you've got to have the talent to play at the highest level attitude gets you to where the talent is so you, you can have all the talent in the world but if you don't have the attitude to actually address the situation then a lot of you hear it so many times oh I was a good player but I spent all my life in the pub you do say that all the time I know you'll take that out of task but no but, but that's it you've got you've got a, first and foremost you've got the attitude and the desire and the drive and Amy's got that in abundance you can see that you know to, to say that she was young got rejected but we hear it quite a few times on the podcast Ashley Young was one you know, got, got rejected. You hear those stories, but it's their attitude to think, no, I am good enough. I am going to do it. And they do. Real mental strength. How's your gate now? How's the gate? The gate looks fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone will be delighted to know. <laughs> Actually, two other people on the close have asked for the, uh, for the number, so. All right. There you go. <laughs> on, <Yeah. laughs> on the close. On the close, yeah. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you've got all the stuff, so do you want to throw some emails out as well? Yes, Maisie. Yeah, do as you're told. Greg Pannell says, Hi guys, writing in for the request for where we listen to the podcast. I listen while at work up a 230 metre high tower crane. It gets me through some long days. Love listening. You guys do a great job with all your guests. I was a latecomer, but had the pleasure of listening to all the podcasts in order. I'm now up to date and find myself re-listening. I can't get enough. My favourite has to be Patrice Everett. Just also love listening to the older legends of the club, Albert Morgan, Viv Anderson, and more recently, Jim Ryan. Would obviously love to 
to hear from Sir Alex. Maybe that needs to be a mini-series. But I also think Gary Neville would be a great podcast. Keep up the good work, guys. Keep them coming. That's Greg from Cambridge. Yes, we did request that you let us know where you are listening to. And Greg is up high, 230 metres. There we go. That's pretty cool, isn't it? That is pretty cool. Not a chance. He must be absolutely clueless. You, you, won't, you won't get me up there for a gold clock. Not a chance. <laughs> not even, no not even now after your bungee jump. No, Rambo. That was only that was only fifty meters, oh, yeah, seventy 50, meters, or something. Yeah, two hundred and thirty meters. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. That's incredible. Not, not a chance. That's high. Well, there you go, Greg. You've scared David, mate. Uh, I've got one here from Matt Royal who says, Hi, Team United Podcast. First of all, thanks for your great podcasts. I'll be honest. I wasn't sure what to expect when I first heard about them, but I am now an avid listener and working my way through the back catalogue. Please can I request a John O'Shea podcast? As a cult hero at the club, I am keen to hear about all the monumental moments he experienced at United. Winner in front of the cop, nutmegging Figo, that chip at Highbury, being the ultimate versatility player playing in every position, including goalkeeper. I'm also keen to hear about his experience post-United at Sunderland and now as a coach at Reading. I hope you have received similar requests and that I will soon see a John O'Shea edition in my podcast listening list. Keep up the great work. Cheers, Matt. Thanks, Matt. We'd love to get John on, wouldn't we? Do you know what? I'm going to screenshot that email and send it to John. Yes. There you go, Matt. Yes. Blackmail him into it. Yeah. Take out the bit where he says, I'll be honest, I wasn't sure what to expect because that sounds like a negative. (laughs) Why weren't they always going to be good? Yeah. But Task, can you leave that bit of Sam asking for it to be taken out? <laughs> That'd be so cool. Pretty much any time you say, can you take something out, it's being left in. That guarantees it's being left in. <laughs> right, one more. Lawrence Brasted, dear United podcast, I've been a Man United fan for 23 years, despite all the incredible past successes we have had under Sir Alex. It is this current season in which I have never felt more obsessed and committed to every one of United's games. This is hugely down to your podcast and how close I feel it has brought me to the club and my childhood heroes. I'm just going to pause there. That's so nice. Oh, don't you be crying now. Sam, you ask all the super fan questions I want to ask. Helen, your compassion for guests and perspective from the broader club family is wonderful. Maisie, your player insight is both hilarious and fascinating. To the perfect trio, thank you. Do you want more? Do you want more? I loved your episodes on both Albert Morgan and Ben Thorne, a gifted player I had heard a lot about, but whose moving story had seemed somewhat of an enigma until now. Would love to hear from some more of our unsung heroes like Van der Guy or Proborski, maybe even Fred the Red. I also just wondered whether any of you know why Fred the Red wears the number 55 shirt and not the 58 in remembrance of the Busby Babes. Thank you so much, Lawrence from Brighton. Hmm. Yes. That's a very I, good question. I, I did know that. And off the top of my head, I can't remember. But it's, it was to do with 55 not being an available squad number. Right. So when they first did it, nobody could be 50. But obviously somebody could have the 55 squad number now. But at the time when they did it, you, it was a number that you just couldn't have because maybe the numbers wouldn't run, didn't run beyond, I don't know, 25, 29, 30 or whatever. And do you I, know what, I Sam? That, Your I research just, it's just too good. Well, it's, I mean, it That's used, just I another to... level. That's just another level. Yeah. <laughs> but thank you so much, Lawrence. What a lovely email. That was really nice. Love thank that. you, Lawrence. I know. Really nice. That should have been that's something like you have on Radio 1, the, the golden hour, and never one of sad stories. But that's oh, a lovely that's... story. That's really, really nice. So that is it for another episode of the Manchester United podcast. Don't forget to get in touch. Tell us where you are listening from if you can beat the 230 metre mark. You can get in touch with us in the usual ways. United podcast at manunited.co.uk and we will be back for another episode next week. See you soon.